And we are live uh, from the Big Phil Palace in Aurora, Ontario, Canada. I am your host for this UFC 256 post-show, Phil Chair Talk. Uh, I'm being joined today by Eric Marcotte, who is so good at uh, joining me for the last Davison-Figueredo fight. We had to have him back. Uh, How are you doing, Eric? Oh, I'm fantastic. You know, whenever uh, Davison Figueredo headlines, I am ready and uh, I got rewarded today. That's right. It was a, a tremendous fight. Uh, but quickly, I'll just address, uh, as people know, normally John Pollock is uh, the one hosting this show, but uh, uh, he uh, has uh, had an addition to his family uh, recently, and uh, I'm pretty sure that all of them are enjoying uh, the Davidson Figueredo brandon Moreno fight uh, tonight together. And uh, he has the night off, but uh, he should be back uh, next month uh, for... Uh, the next UFC pay-per-view, which we'll talk about later. But uh, before that, let's just get into it. I mean, this was a tremendous fight, this headlining fight, uh, Figueredo versus Moreno. People are already calling it a fight of the year contender. So uh, why don't you just break it down for us, Eric? What went down? Yeah, so I mean, just three weeks ago at UFC 255, both of these guys fought and picked up first-round finishes. Later that night, they agreed to fight here and... Well, we'll talk about what happened because it was incredible. It's going to be hard to break this all down because so much happened. But from my notes, I'll try to recount what I can. So we start off the fight and Figueredo immediately opens up with a hard slam back kick to the body. Moreno defends a takedown attempt for Figueredo, but then Figueredo defends one in return. Moreno was throwing out his jab a lot and exchanged some hard body shots. And both fighters were landing such strong shots here. This was like a really intense start to the fight. Moreno threw a bunch of head kicks that were just missing by the slightest amount, and Figueroa caught him with one in return. And this is when Figueroa really began to attack the body, something that plays out throughout the rest of the fight. We'll have to go round by round on this one. I scored this opening round for Figueroa. How did you see it? Yeah, Figueredo, I gave it to him 10-9. He came out with uh, big power shots uh, and was stalking Moreno the whole time. Moreno was able to answer, but really didn't do too much damage. And so I think this was a pretty clear round for the champ. I agree. Going into round two, he goes right back to that spinning back kick to the body to begin the round. At one point, Figueredo was just sort of teeing off on Moreno with combinations, and Moreno just ate the shots and returned fire. Uh, Moreno was successful with his next takedown attempt, but Figueredo scrambled right back up, and they began to swing wildly in the pocket. Figueredo landed a big looping left hand and another hard body kick. Moreno responded with a right hand and a takedown after Figueredo had him hurt with a big right hand of his own. This was another incredible round. I thought this was closest rounds of the entire fight, and I nearly gave the edge to Figueredo. How about you, Phil? So I actually gave this round to Moreno. I thought he was able to start countering. He started to land uh, a nice left hook to the body, which he would also follow up with a left over the top, or sorry, right over the top. Uh, he, he was... He, Moreno was doing quite a bit better. He was able to uh, also just slow the champ down a little bit in this round and do enough for me to give him uh, the round. Yeah, that's completely fair. I thought that round was uh, one of the closest rounds I've ever seen. Moreno made up a lot of ground, but Figueredo was still throwing such heavy blows. I thought it could have went either way. Uh, Going into the third round, Moreno's right eye had begun to swell badly between rounds, and the commentators were 
talking about whether it was a broken orbital or not. Regardless, Moreno comes out wild in the opening minutes. Uh, he's throwing head kicks and just rushing Figueredo. And Figueredo responds by right back to the body. And let me say, the shots that Moreno was taking early in this round, it was unbelievable that he was withstanding them. Uh, Figueredo just keeps going with the powerful hooks to the body. And despite the fact that Moreno was taking a lot of damage here, he had zero quit in him and he returned fire almost every time. Uh, now, this is this is when I thought the fight was about to be over, Phil, because Deveson Figueredo lands one of the most brutal-looking kicks uh, low that I've ever seen. Brandon Moreno just crumbles to the ground. Yes? Yeah, I mean, it was essentially a teep kick to... The the goal, I think, was a teep kick to the right to the gut, and uh, Moreno was coming forward, and Figueredo was low on it, so it was just a direct teep to the groin. And the noises that uh, Moreno was making, and he was looked like he was dry heaving for about a minute, and then all of a sudden he got up uh, and was ready to go. Uh, but uh, the ref decided to uh, deduct a point, and uh, that did uh, uh, turn out to be significant. Did you think that the point deduction was warranted in that situation? Um. It was obviously an unintentional low blow from Figueredo, but it was such an extreme low blow that, yeah, I thought it was fair enough. It, I have no problem with the refs taking points from fouls. I feel like it doesn't happen enough in the sport. And this is one of those times where I was like, yeah, that's completely fair. Yeah. So moving on from the low blow, like I said, I thought Moreno was done, but <laughs> you were saying? There's a bit of no, a delay, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, there is, seems to be a little bit of a delay, so I'll just let you go on uh, after this. But uh, I also thought that the, the point deduction was fair. It looked like Moreno was pretty compromised, and it, it was pretty amazing that he was able to continue and still be competitive. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was done, but hey, the fight continues. A point's taken from Figueroa, and it feels like uh, the foul lit fire under Moreno's. When the action resumed, he just comes out swinging. He takes Figueredo down, and Figueredo pops right back up to his feet, to his credit, but uh, lands another strong right hand. Uh, I sound like a broken record at this point. This was another really close round. I gave the edge to Moreno, so with the point deduction taken into account, it would be 28-28 on my scorecard. How about you, Phil? Uh, so I had the, I gave the round to Figueredo, but then, yes, with the point deduction. So at this point, I have the fight a draw with both of them trading uh, rounds one and two. Yeah. Yeah, that's 100% fair. This fight was so close. Going into the fourth round, Figueroa catches Moreno with a left hand uh, quickly, and Moreno responds with a strong combination. A partially landed head kick from Moreno looked like it rocked Figueroa a bit, and Figueroa shoots for a takedown in response. Moreno reversed its momentum to get a takedown of his own. Once again, Figueredo pops right back up to his feet and he lands this big uppercut. Uh, Moreno proceeded to rock Figueredo with a flurry of strikes, but Figueredo somehow survived and they went right back to brawling. Just when the momentum looked like it was beginning to go Figueredo's way, Moreno scores a huge takedown and catches him with a, le- with a heavy left hand when they get back on their feet. 
I had Moreno up 38-37 going in the final round. Another amazing round. How did you feel? So I gave Moreno this round as well. I, this was the his best round of the fight. Uh, looked like he was going to take over. He was able to get the takedown, as you mentioned. He was able to actually start securing a little bit of uh, the top position. Um, he definitely hurt uh, Figueredo at one point during the round. Um, but uh, it turned out that round five had something else in store for us. Yeah, so the first four rounds of this fight have been completely insane. It seemed as though Brandon Moreno hurt his left forearm, and thus going into round five, he was not very active. Figueredo lands a trio of body kicks to begin the round, and the output in this round was much lower than the last few ones. Figueredo was just a bit busier, and I thought he did more than enough to take this last round. I ultimately scored the fight as a draw with the point deduction taken into account, 48-48. Did you see it any differently, Phil? Uh, no, I had it uh, exactly the same with uh, Figueredo running rounds one and five decisively, Moreno running two and four, and then that round three was a draw uh, to to me. That Yeah, the last round was a bit lackluster. The uh, commentators were talking about Moreno's a forearm in the post-fight interview, he told Joe Rogan that he actually hurt his shoulder from his jabbing, and so it wasn't his forearm, but it was oh. the same arm that was compromising him from uh, being able to really do anything in the final round. It was kind of disappointing way for the fight to end because it had been so exciting up to that point. And Figueredo, he he could tell that he he could kind of land when he just needed to to edge out the round and uh you know bad takedown attempt as well at the end but uh you know moreno was in it uh to win it the whole time he he, he never there was no quit in him and uh even despite the sort of uh mediocre last round it was a tremendous fight and a tremendous performance by both of these guys yeah so we go to the judges' scorecards, and they get right out. 47-46, favorite Figueredo, then two forty-seven forty-sevens. The results, majority draw, and Deveson Figueredo retains the UFC Flyweight Championship. I thought this was one of the best fights, not just of the year, but of all time. Uh, what were your thoughts, Phil? Uh, yeah, I, I always am hesitant to make such like dramatic proclamations as best of all time, but it certainly was uh, a, a fantastic fight. Uh, and while it was happening and afterwards, certainly considered for fight of the year. Uh, and if that, uh, fight between, um, uh, the ladies hadn't happened earlier, they'd probably be, uh, the front runner. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was a really uh, fantastic fight, and uh, I would recommend anybody uh, get the chance to see it as quickly as possible. And really, it sets up kind of a rematch. Uh, I think that's something that everybody would want to see again. It was super close, even without the point deduction. It was it was a, a close fight. Uh, what are your thoughts on them running it back? I think that's probably the fight to make coming out of this i mean unlike you i have uh i have no reservation proclaiming this one of the greatest fights i've ever seen and i thought the scoring was so close for so many of the rounds that yeah i would love to see these guys run it back 
And I think this is also a good time to talk briefly about Divas and Figueredo's year. I mean, he goes, f- well, 3-0-1 throughout the year with two wins over Joseph Benavidez, winning the Flyweight Championship in the last one, defending it just three weeks ago against Alex Perez, and ultimately retaining it in this absolute war. Is he your fighter? Um, is he my fighter? That's a great question. Um, I, I hadn't actually even broken it down. I'd have to go see who's uh, like what everybody's done. He's obviously the number one contender. Uh, probably number two is right is also on this card, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get to him in a second, uh, and that's Kevin Holland. Uh, who had a ludicrous performance today and has had an incredible year. So, um, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, the fact that Figueredo had ha- really, I mean, was fighting the creme de la creme of fighters and finishing them, not in this case, but having a fight of the year uh, type of fight definitely makes him a worthy contender for that. Um Yes. Um, so let's actually move on now into the, the card. Next up, we had a very uh, eagerly anticipated fight between Tony Ferguson and Charles Dobronx Oliveira. Ferguson coming off of his loss to Justin Gaethje in the interim title fight earlier this year at the start of the pandemic. Um, so why don't you go through the action for us, uh, Eric? All right, so beginning the fight, Oliveira starts off with a strong leg kick, and they proceed to exchange jabs. Oliveira was fighting super aggressively early, and in in exchange, Ferguson did land some solid counter shots. But the the fight in its entirety changed when Oliveira brought it to the ground. He picked Tony up and just slammed him down. He lands a strong elbow from on top, and he moves into the mount effortlessly. Oliveira just smothered Ferguson for the majority of this opening round, and with a few seconds left before time expired, Charles Oliveira transitioned into an armbar, and it was fully locked in, fully extended. I was positive that Tony Ferguson was going to tap, but he toughed it out, and we went to the second round. Did you think it was it for Tony? It looked like it. It actually looked like he tapped at one point, but I guess he was just sort of posting his hand on the knee. Yeah, it was wild. I, uh, it's 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 amazing how he was able to just sort of like let his arm bend back, but it looked like it did injure him because he wasn't able to use it effectively later. Yeah, exactly. As we begin the second round, Tony wasn't throwing his left arm at all, and Oliver easily took him right back down. An elbow from Ferguson did cut Oliver up on the way down but he landed an illegal upkick shortly after they hit the ground, and the action was briefly paused. When the fight resumed, Oliveira went right back to work. Uh, He spent most of the round kind of in this inverted north-south position, but this was another very clear round for Charles Oliveira. Going into the third round, Oliveira slams Tony back to the ground once again. He quickly goes into full mount this time, and when Tony tried to scramble out, Oliveira put him in this triangle choke before moving back into side control. Uh, Ferguson tried to make stuff happen off his back, but Oliveira was making no mistakes. At one point, Tony actually managed to escape kind of out from underneath Oliveira, but Oliveira just slammed him right back down, and he ended the fight on top. I scored the fight 30-26 for Charles Oliveira, all three judges agreed, and this was a huge victory for him. What were your thoughts on this one, Phil? Yeah, I scored it 30-25. I gave Oliveira 10-8s in uh, one and three. 
Um, just complete dominating performance. I don't think anybody really anticipated uh, that type of domination coming into this fight. I mean, he dominated him on the feet and he dominated him uh, on the ground. I mean, the one blemish was uh, an elbow he took that cut him, but uh, it didn't really play too much of a factor in the rest of the fight. This really sets Oliveira up to be, you know, at the top of the food chain. I mean, this, this, He's been in the UFC for so long since he was a 20-year-old. He has the most submissions in UFC history. It looked like he was going to get a submission a couple times in this one. And, and yeah, he's right at the top of a division that, you know, he would almost certainly get a title shot if, if you know, it was a division that Conor McGregor wasn't in. As far as Tony Ferguson, uh, this, yeah. this, uh, this brings a lot of questions, you know, where does he go from here? And I'm not sure. What do you think, uh, Eric? Uh, as far as Tony Ferguson's concerned, uh, it's kind of tough to say what's next for him. I mean, he's effectively lost arguably eight rounds in a row now. Uh, he's getting older. There's been a lot of injuries. He's still a good fighter. Do not get me wrong. This isn't some guy who's you know washed up or anything. But it looks like his days of being the top guy at lightweights are probably over. Um, there's still tons of fun fights in the division. Like imagine matching uh, Ferguson up against Paul Felder or something, or Dan Hooker. You have an automatic five-star fight night main event right there. As far as Charles Oliveira is concerned, though, he's on an eight-fight win streak now, just dominated Tony Ferguson like we've never seen him dominate on the ground. Uh, You hit the nail right on the head with the Conor McGregor division part. In any other division, he would clearly be fighting for the title next, but there's no guarantees right now at 155. Yeah, so that Connor fight is coming up next month, and uh, the are I suspect they're trying to book another lightweight fight for that in case Poirier falls apart. That's likely to be uh, maybe Michael Chandler's debut. Um, it could be against Gaethje, or who knows uh, who that could be against. I mean. If Oliveira's feeling all right, I would I would try to get on that card because, I mean, yes, he deserves a title shot, but the way that this division works, we don't know where Habib's at, and yeah, the Conor McGregor show continues, so um, might be a while till Oliveira gets his deserved shot at gold. Okay, so moving on now, we had uh, you know on what. On other nights, what would probably be a fight of the night contender, um, we had a matchup between Mackenzie Dern and Verna Jandaroba. So what went down in this one, Eric? Exactly as you would expect from two amazing grapplers, we got a complete brawl. As we start off the fight, Mackenzie Dern immediately swarms Jandaroba with strikes. Uh, no fear of a counter. She was fighting... I don't want to say rectally because I believe she is fair in her assessment of... Je- oh, I'm going to mess up her name a few times. Jandroba's Andrew- counter-strikes, but she was finding a home for that right hand time after time, and Jandroba didn't have much to offer her early in return. Thurin shot for a single leg at one point, but the takedown was defended, and Jandroba landed a very nice body kick and followed up with a pair of one-twos. It was a good end to the round, but I thought Dern edged this one out. Uh, I did hear that this is one that had a lot of people going the other way online. So I'm wondering how you scored the opening round, Phil. 
Uh, I scored it 10-9 Dern. I thought it was pretty clear that she had the edge in, in the striking department, and she was the one who was pressing forward. Uh, Verna definitely had some good counters, but I just thought that Dern led enough of the show to take the round. Yeah, agreed. So Jandroba decided uh, not to take Dern up on her invitation to jump into her guard in the second round. Jandroba was doing much better work on the feet than she did in the first round here. And it, to me, it looked like Dern's output was beginning to wane. A nasty eye poke, though, uh, from Dern brought a momentary pause to the action. And when the fight resumed, Dern had her energy back on all cylinders. She immediately shot for a takedown. Jandroba defended it, and right beforehand, she kneed her in the face, and it cut Dern open bad. Her nose was a mess. Jandroba took her down, and the blood from Dern's nose was pouring into her eyes. It looked like a rough spot for Mackenzie Dern, but she made it out of the round. I thought this one was pretty clear for Jandroba, and we went into the third round. So, Jandroba defends an early single leg from Dern and lands a leg kick right after they break apart. Dern connects with a heavy body kick, and she caught Jandroba with this heavy right hand that sent her stumbling backwards. Still, Jandroba managed to defend Dern's takedown attempt and chose not to engage Dern in her guard. Jandroba connected with a lead elbow, but ate a couple more kicks to the body in the process. And with about 30 seconds left in the round, Jandroba tried to pull guard on Dern, looking for an armbar, but Mackenzie Dern was not falling for that, and she ended the round on top. I thought this was the close down fight, but I ultimately gave it to Mackenzie Dern. Uh, so I actually thought that this round wasn't as close as the first round. Uh, I thought it was pretty clear that Dern took this one. She was just able to, again, continue to press forward. She she dug deep. She was landing the more significant shots. And, uh, and yeah, I thought she took it. Uh, kind of disappointing that these girls didn't really spend too much time on the ground uh, engaging in the grappling. But uh, that kind of happens. And this uh, really sets up uh, – this was a good year for Mackenzie Dern. She, she came back this year, did really well, and – sets up uh, uh, maybe a title run next uh, year. I mean, yeah, she's 5-1 and one in the division now. She had a really solid year. I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to peg her for a title run yet. She still has a lot of ranked fighters to go through. But obviously, she has world-class jiu-jitsu. She has fairly heavy hands for strawweight, and she has a ton of potential. The judges uh, saw it the same way as us. Scored at 29-28 for Mackenzie Dern. And that was that one. All right. So uh, we went from uh, prior to that. Uh, we also had a former uh, jiu-jitsu world champion competing. Um, but uh, not as good of a result. Uh, so we had Kevin Holland taking on Ronaldo Jacare Souza. So uh, what went down here, Eric? I'll uh, preface this by saying I'm a huge fan of Jacare, so I, I take no happiness or pride in recapping this fight in its entirety. It starts off by Jacare taking Holland right down, but he eats a ton of elbows in the process, and he already looks hurt. Holland got back to his feet, and he kind of he goes for his standing guillotine, and Jacare brings him right back down to the ground. I'm not sure I can do this next part justice, but I'm going to try my best. 
Holland managed to create a bit of distance on the ground by by whipping his leg out, and he this momentum. And he started winning right hand after right hand after right hand until Jacare was folded backwards with Holland standing over him unconscious. Kevin Holland wins by knockout at a minute and 45 of round one. Wow. Yeah. Really incredible performance by Holland. Threatening at every second of the fight. Looked like he was going to submit Jacare at one point. Threatening him on the ground with strikes. Talking to him. Before the knockout, he was just talking nasty to him. Just letting him know he's he's wrecking him. Jacare just... I mean, he slowed down so fast. He couldn't handle the energy that Holland was bringing. And then, yeah, the finale uh, with Jacare uh, sort of in guard... Uh, Holland separates and then sort of swings his leg in an axe motion to create some momentum where he slings a, a right hand that just pops off the forehead of Jacare, stumbles him back, and then Holland gets up, blasts him a few more times. Jacare crumbles backwards. One of the more brutal knockouts that uh, you're ever going to see. Uh, and just an incredible year for Kevin Holland. He this is his fifth win since May, so he wasn't even fighting for for the first part of the year. And he's ready to go next week in his post fight interview. He's calling out Chimaev, the golden boy. He wants to go in a week's time. What do you think about all of that, Eric? I don't see that fight happen. I think Kazma Chimaev would probably rather fight leon edwards but i admire kevin holland for going it i believe him a hundred percent when he says that he is ready willing and able to fight next week he has had an unbelievable year if divas and figueredo is not your fighter of the year then it's probably kevin holland that's that's right all right well you know who isn't the fighter of the year junior dos santos not not on a good run for the former heavyweight champion. So uh, what happened to him uh, tonight? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a good main card for the aging fan favorites. Um, we start off the first round and Cyril Gaon, his opponent, he looks very comfortable early. He's attacking the lead leg of JDS and slips away from any of Dos Santos' counter shots. JDS is throwing his shots from like a mile away. Nothing's hitting. It was a really slow first round. Uh, Gone was beating up JDS's leg. That's the story of round for the most part. Towards the very end of it, JDS did connect with some strong hooks, but it was too little, too late. We go into round two, and nothing has changed for for Cyril Gone. He keeps attacking the lead leg of JDS, and he he rocks JDS badly with a jab. With a jab, and as JDS retreats along the cage, as he does, Cyril Gaon lands a pair of short elbows, and JDS turtles up. The fight is stopped at 234 of round two. Cyril Gaon is your winner by TKO. Yeah. Yeah, Gone looked good. I mean, f- until the knockout, it wasn't the most exhilarating performance, but he stayed, uh, he had a lot of movement. He used his kicks, the leg kicks, very well. Uh, yeah, he was light on his toes, as the commentators noted, uh, which is impressive for uh, heavyweight. 
Dos Santos was gun shy uh, right away. Um, he did land a couple of shots uh, towards the end of the first round, but uh, it, it wasn't good. And yeah, uh, the the finish was brutal. Uh, elbow sort of just on the side of the head, a little bit behind the ear, but what was uh, kind of deemed legal after review. And uh, this puts uh, Dos Santos in a tough spot. Four TKO losses in a row, three this calendar year. Um, hard to imagine a future in the UFC for him. And Gagne, he's he's got a poten- he's got potential. He's somebody that uh, I think they're gonna have fight some. I mean, he's already fighting ranked guys, right? So ready to move up. Yeah, I mean, uh, starting with JDS, it's his decline has definitely been. Uh pretty sad to watch he barely resembles the fighter that won the heavyweight championship that's not to say that he lacks skill because you can still see it in a lot of his not tonight but in a lot of his recent fights you can still see that he has very sharp boxing good takedown defense he'll still thrash any of the unranked heavyweights or the Derek lewis's of the world but his days against the elite of the elite at heavyweight no, he, he shouldn't be in there with them anymore. I don't think anyone would be surprised if this was Junior Dos Santos's last fight in the UFC. But if they do resign him or not cut him, however you want to phrase it, it's time for a serious step down in competition. As for Cyril Gan, yeah, I mean, he just, this was a big step up for him. His last fight was against Tanner Bozer. Uh, he finished a former world champion second round. He'll be fighting top guys from here on out. You watch what you say about Tanner Bozer. Okay, so uh, that was the main oh. card, the pay-per-view portion of the evening. Um, and uh, prior to that, we had some really exciting fights on the preliminary card. Uh, which So the headliner for the preliminary show was veteran Cub Swanson returning after a brutal injury in a grappling uh, match, taking on Daniel Pineda. What went down, Eric? All right. So, I mean, we, we've we talked about a lot of older and favorites just getting demolished tonight. So let's rejoice in this next one. This was Club Swanson's first fight back after a ACL tear at Quintet last December. So he's been out of action for quite a while. He looked a bit gunshine gun shy early okay he defends an early takedown attempt from Pineda, but he was eating a lot of shots including a bunch of leg kicks to that surgically repaired knee right they were clearly having an effect but cub did start to fire back with some combinations of his own and after a slip from Pineda, swanson jumped right into his guard and began to work for a bit Pineda almost caught cub in an armbar at one point but swanson used the opportunity to get back to his feet he had another brutal leg kick and a spinning back kick to the body. But then the entire fight changed when Cub dropped Pineda with the right hand. I think if Cub was more aggressive after dropping him, he probably could have finished him here. But he didn't really go for the kill until there were seconds remaining. Pineda made it out of the round, but he was he was hurt badly. The second round starts with a body shot from Cub and a hard right hand. Swanson defends kind of a desperation single leg and... They go into the clinch for a bit. Right when they break, Cub Swanson lands this beautiful combination that ends with a right hand, and Pineda is floored. 
He follows it up with one shot to seal the deal, and Cub Swanson is your winner by knockout at a minute and 52 of the second round. Yeah, really nice performance by Cub. Uh, you know, it looked tough at some points. He was eating a lot of uh, kicks to the leg that looked like they were destabilizing him, but he was very effective at uh, switching his stance when he needed to and landing combos. Um, I agree that he, there was probably a chance for him to finish the fight earlier, but, uh, you know, he, he's a vet. He stayed calm and was able to get it done later. And uh, I think, you know, everybody's happy to see a veteran like Swanson get a win and still be relevant against a very dangerous Pineda who uh, is going to have to go back to the drawing board. But he's definitely someone uh, still to watch. But some things need to be shored up. Um, all right. So moving on, we were treated to a lightweight bout between Renato Moicano and Rafael Fiziev. Fiziev uh, had a really exciting fight earlier this year against Mark Diacasey, uh that had a lot of people buzzing. So people were really looking forward to see what he would do against uh, Moicano, who was so- sort of like a longtime perennial featherweight contender, but now fighting at lightweight. Yeah, so the fight begins and Fiziev just starts landing kick after kick. His kicks were so quick that Moicano had pretty much no time to react to them. That all being said, Moicano's right hand was fighting its home as well. And as the round wore on, that right hand of his was beginning to land more and more and more. And he was landing some clean shots that looked like Fiziev was uh, having a bit of trouble with. But there came a point where Fiziev defended a takedown attempt from Moyakano, and on the break he lands this three-piece combination that ends with a left hook, and it draws Moyakano hard. As soon as Moyakano's head hit the ground, the ref jumped in to stop the fight. Uh, Moyakano protested the stoppage, but it stands as Rafael Fiziev picking up the knockout at four minutes and five seconds of the first round. Yeah, Moicano was able to land. He had he was able to land a little bit. He he was able to stick uh, some nice technical punches, but Fiziev had these amazing combos, and that turned out to be really the difference. And power. I mean, he really just had power. I mean, the the commentators were alluding to it. It's like, yes, Moicano's doing well in the stand up, and he's landing, but he's really playing into Fiziev's world. And um, he ended up paying for it. Now Moicano's lost, I think, three out of his last four by a TKO. Uh, let me just confirm that. So, yeah, three out of four, his last fights uh, from TKO. So uh, what do you think? Where does he go from here? And, uh, yeah, what do you think about Rafael? Some p- people are pretty excited about him in the uh, lightweight division. I don't really know what to say about Moyakano. He's a guy who I was really high on a couple years ago. And, I mean, he's had some tosses lately. Um, Admittedly, most of that has been to top-tier competition, like Jose Aldo and the Korean Zombie. And Fiziev might not be a contender yet, but he looked really impressive in his last couple fights. I'm not ready to write off yet. I mean... We just in our last fight we talked about Cub Swans and he lost four in a row and now he's looked great in his last two outings. So you can never completely write a guy off. And Moicano did look good in his last fight where he picked up a submission in like forty something seconds. So hopefully he bounces back, but he's not a guy I'd put my money on right now. 
as for Fiv, I mean, yeah, he looks awesome, doesn't he? He's a ton of fun. I mean, his kicks are so quick. I mean, you know who else has really nice kicks? Edson Barboza. <laughs> does that not sound like a fun night? Yes, that does sound like a pretty good fight, uh, and and sort of perfect for him at this point. A good, per- a good, exciting fight to expose him to a bigger audience. All right, so uh, next up we have uh, you know proud Canadian, no Tanner Bozer, but Gavin Tucker taking on B- Billy Quarantillo. Billy Quarantillo was coming on what I believe an eight fight winning streak uh, going into this one. Um, so yeah, what went down? Yeah, so eight fights in a row for Billy Quarantillo, and there will be no more mentions of Tanner Bozer on this podcast, okay? <laughs> so Tucker began the fight aggressively, but he gets backed up by a right hand from Quarantillo early. Both men were landing on the feet, and I thought Tucker was doing a great job of mixing up his attack to the head, legs, and body. Tucker connected with some short elbows while exiting in the clinch, but that didn't deter Quarantillo at all from moving forward. They exchanged straight right hands as well as some knees to the body in the clinch. Tucker connected with a head kick near the end of the round, and then he proceeded to take Quarantillo down, and I thought that was enough to seal the opening round in his favor. Going into the second, Tucker was really tagging Billy Q at the beginning of the second, right? And the commentary team were discussing the toll of the body shots that uh, Tucker had landed earlier that it was taking on Quarantillo's cardio. Tucker brings him down to the ground with like a minute and a half remaining, and he was able to take his back Quarantillo did escape his feet, but he was looking real tired. I scored this round for Gavin Tucker as well. Going into round three, Tucker got right back to work, catching Quarantillo with some beautiful overhands. After a few failed attempts, Tucker finally got him to the ground and began to work from half guard. He took the back once again, but Quarantillo just stood right up. A headbutt separated them momentarily. When the action resumed, Quarantillo was talking a bunch of trash. But uh, Tucker racked up another three takedowns in the last couple minutes of the round. I scored the fight 30-27 for him, as did the judges. Yeah, pretty clear win and and pretty impressive for Gavin Tucker. Uh, A lot of people picking Quarantillo going into this one, thinking that Tucker has sort of shown that he's faded in fights and Quarantillo was known to have really good cardio and use that as a weapon. But Tucker was... In there the whole time, cardio wasn't really a problem. I mean, he would dip a little bit, but he he still pressed forward. He was way more technical. He mixed everything up. His takedowns were tremendous, beautifully timed, right into side control. And then he even had some trips that worked, didn't work, but really great, versatile uh, attack. And and it looks like he he's he's really improving. Uh, he's a little bit older. Um, but, uh, I, I think he's somebody, uh, pretty interesting. He called out Alex Caceres after the fight. What, what, what do you think about that call out? I was kind of surprised. I would have thought maybe he would have picked somebody a little bit up, but, but Caceres is pretty famous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Caceres has uh, built his name over the years and, Bruce Leroy has actually looked decent in his last couple of fights. So yeah. I guess that's a yeah. fight that makes sense. Okay, so uh, speaking of veterans, we, you know, we saw a few earlier. Um, this was a big fight for Tisha Torres, who's had a rough go. She was taking on Sam Hughes, who was making her UFC debut. 
uh, rough debut. <laughs> How did this one go? Was it her debut? I, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Yeah, this was her UFC debut. Uh, t- she came in like earlier this week after Angela that's Hill was right, forced yes. to withdraw yes. after positive COVID tests. So that's how this fight got put together. Uh, Torres quickly overwhelmed Hughes with a flurry of strikes, and Hughes tried to clinch her up against the cage to recover. Torres connects with a Superman punch, and she was just piecing her up all around. This was just a fantastic start to the fight for Torres, who quadrupled up on Hughes' total strike count. And she ended the round with a big slam. In between rounds, Hughes tells her corner that she can't see from an eye poke, although I believe it was later shown it it wasn't an eye poke. But regardless, she couldn't see. The doctor came in to check on her, and the fight was stopped. Tisha Torres is your winner by TKO due to a doctor's stoppage. Yeah, Tisha Torres looked really impressive in this fight, but who was she going against? It was it was just a different level of competition. She kind of had her way with her. Exactly. Did did whatever she wanted, but it was a fun showcase and and Tisha Torres has has, has gone against savages, so there's nothing wrong with her getting, you know, a good win uh inside the octagon and and I think she's this was a a type of she was on the cusp of being cut. I think a lot of people thought um, but, uh, I, I think she's the type of fighter who does deserve to be in the UFC. I think she could beat a lot of the women in her division. So Tisha Torres has always felt like a fighter who would perhaps better be served at an atom weight division. I don't think that's something the UFC is considering right now, but this was one of her, regardless of the level of competition, this is one of her more impressive performances. Only the second finish of her entire career. She was on a four fight losing streak not too long ago. Uh, so this was a great way to turn it around. I think they should reschedule that fight with Angela Hill. That that makes a lot of sense. All right, and to start the night, uh, we had the return of Chase Hooper taking on Peter Barrett. Chase Hooper's had a pretty good uh, 2020 himself. Uh, so what went down uh, in this one? Actually, I, I, I forgot that. Back to the fight past prelim. Yeah, no, no, no. I, for some reason, I was thinking that Chase had won his last fight, but I remember, no, he lost to Bruce Leroy uh, pretty clearly uh, last go around. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, why don't you tell us tell us what what, what went down uh, this time out for Chase? Yeah, so going back to our lone fight pass prelim bout, which must have happened about twenty hours ago, uh, Barrett defends an early takedown attempt from Hooper and hits him hard with a pair of leg kicks. Uh, they threw kicks at the same time, and Barrett's did catch Hooper low. Once the action restarted, Barrett was walking Hooper down and just overwhelming him on the feet. Hooper's striking is still very uh, low level for the UFC, and uh, Hooper did manage to back him off with a low blow of his own, but uh, they kept fighting. Hooper was missing on some big looping strikes, and Barrett defended another takedown account. Uh, takedown account, takedown attempt. This was a pretty clear round for Barrett in my mind. Going into round two, Hooper lands a strong straight left hand to begin the second round. Uh, Barrett begins to really attack Hooper's leg, and it quickly becomes clear that Hooper's leg couldn't withstand much more damage. Things were not looking good for the man, but he actually managed to bring the fight to the ground with an Imanari roll. Uh, Barrett got back to his feet, but the grappling exchange gave him more than enough time to recover. Still, clear round for Barrett, who ended the round with a right hook. Going into the third and final round, 
Garrett backs up the off-balance Chase Hooper with a straight left hand. And in response, Hooper brought Barrett back to the ground by diving on a leg. Now, Hooper managed to connect with some hammer fists from the position on the ground. And he grabbed Barrett's leg, extends it, and he locks in a heel hook for the big comeback victory at three minutes and two seconds of the third round. Yeah, great uh, job by Hooper to find a way to get the W. He's a fun guy to watch. He's very good grappler. His his body type is incredibly good for grappling. Rough on the feet for sure, um, but he's very young, and uh, I like I like watching him. And as long as you know they bring him in against the right guys, uh, I I don't mind uh, you know seeing what he has to offer. All right, so that is uh, the UFC. Yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. Yes, <laughs> that is the UFC two fifty six uh, line card. Uh, sorry about the delays. We're dealing with some technical issues, everyone. Um, while maybe Eric, you can look up the uh, bonuses. I'm going to run down what's coming up uh, next for the UFC. So uh, next week we have got uh, the final card of the year. It is a man- monster card. It was supposed to have Leon Roberts on it versus Chimaev, but uh, that's going to be moved. Instead, we get Stephen Thompson taking on Jeff Neal in a five-round main event. Big return for both of these guys. This card is pretty stacked still, despite you know the COVID world. Bantamweight fight between Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera, Michelle Pajaya taking on Chaos Williams, Marlon Moraes versus Rob Font. We've got Greg Hardy on this card. And the main card opens with Anthony Pettis versus Alex Morono. Bilal Muhammad versus Diego Lima's on here. Uh, Ayman Zahabi, Duran Wynn is fighting for his life on this card. So a, a really stacked card to end the year. And then... Uh, Next year, the next time that uh, we'll be here is for, of course, UFC 257, Poirier versus McGregor 2. And, uh, you know, they announced the card for this one, and it's a gem. Um, so I'll just read out the, the main card for Poirier McGregor 2. Uh, so, yes, we've got a good main event, a uh, five-round lightweight bout, and then... Now, they're missing a fight, which I've already said I suspect will be a lightweight fight. But we've also got Jessica I versus Joanne Calderwood. Khalil Roundtree versus Martin Pracnio. Pracnio. Pracnio, sorry. And Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Rebus. So that, that, that's the main card for Poirier McGregor 2. Do you have anything to say about that card or even uh, next week's card, uh, Eric? I will say that next week's card is much, 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 much better than UFC 257. I mean, it's stacked. I'm excited for that one. Um, 257 will be fine regardless because of the main events, but yeah, that's not a good card at all. Uh, As far as our post-fight bonuses are concerned, uh, unsurprisingly, our fight of the night was uh, one Divas and Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno, and our two performance bonuses if you will go to kevin holland and half hours eve okay okay uh really cubs no cubs well yeah i guess yeah tough one for cub swanson but uh there, there was there was a lot of good performances on this uh card uh, a lot of people could have gotten the bonuses but uh definitely no arguments about the fight of the night 
All right. So that wraps up the uh, post show. Eric, do you have anything to say to the audience out there? This is the final uh, post show of uh, 2020. No, you know, um, uh, apologies for all technical difficulties tonight. Uh, that aside, I will be back with a report on next week's fight night. And I have a review away appearance coming up in a couple weeks where me, John, and Way are going to sit down and talk about UFC 165 with John Jones and Alexander Gustafson. Oh, really? Okay, cool. I did not know that that was coming up. So uh, I, I look forward to that. And uh, I do know that there is going to... Um, as there is every year, there will be a Christmas show, and uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say that there's there might be an appearance by the two of us at some point during that. So that will give us a chance to talk to uh, you people at home one more time before the end of the year. Um, so uh, with that said, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, throughout 2020 to these shows. We, for, you know, we went from doing audio only to doing video to doing it live, taking callers on Discord, and uh, it wouldn't be possible without uh, the viewers uh, watching us and, you know, telling us, uh, you know, giving us their feedback. So uh, remember to click that like button. Remember to click that subscribe button because we will be back again. And yeah, that's it. All right. Peace out, everyone. We'll see you next time. <laughs>